0: Welcome to the Third Variable Podcast. I'm the host, L.F. Speller, and you can find this show on soundcloud.com slash 3 variable And for the first time, you can also find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and Pocket Casts. Basically where most podcasts are found. The show's Twitter and new Instagram is at 3 variable, and the email is... 3rd, as in 3 podcast at gmail.com. So send me feedback, topical questions, responses, etc. to any of those places, and we'll make this show our show. Now, once again, the show is called 3rd Variable because I'm a social scientist, and when researching and studying relationships between variables, there are often other influences that we can consider. So I'm hoping that my voice might continue to contribute As some additional influence, you know, from my circle of peers and friends and relatives, and maybe even further, to whomever this may reach. And thus we have this here podcast experiment. Of course, I'll be speaking from my own perspective based on my personal worldview, but I also welcome other perspectives, which is why I'm looking forward to what you have to say. And for the first time on Third Variable Podcast, we have our piece of feedback. So this comes from my sister. Um, She said I could read this, so I'm going to. I think so far the political updates and more direct social commentary have been most interesting, especially since I don't really too much be knowing what's happening, and you make it digestible. You're also good at making the distinction between what actually happened and what you think about it. The other ones were kind of lecture-like. It was obvious that you were knowledgeable, but they weren't as engaging. Looking forward to more episodes. Two exclamation marks. Thank you very much, sister. I appreciate it very much so. I will continue to do my best to try and make the distinction between what is objective fact and what is subjective opinion. I appreciate the compliment that I seem to be knowledgeable and I will try to understand that uh and keep that in mind when I move forward and do some of those uh episodes that are a little more lecture like maybe condense those bring it down maybe make it a little more plain and a little easier to follow along to some degree because I would like to not only do some social commentary and political update type of things but I would like to continue to try and I don't know expound on psychology and other kinds of ideas just because it's uh, something that we experience personally so much. But I will certainly take that feedback into consideration. Please continue to listen. And it is easier than ever to do so now because we have our Twitter and Instagram and shooting the feed out to all these places where people can uh, download and listen to it and leave positive comments and reviews and all those things that everyone else always asks you for. So to get into the show directly. Once again, uh back up for a second. You can also send us an email to let us know what's going on. 3 variable podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at 3rdvariable and Instagram at 3rdvariable. So um the last time we did this, I had uh I was talking about the impeachment. It's been a little while. I will try to do this. Uh, More consistently, things uh, were crazy, and now they're even crazier because of what's happening and going on across the world, internationally, and our country, because the things that were going on before COVID-19 started to wreak havoc uh, here stateside. Um, There were already a bunch of stuff, (laughs) a bunch of uh, random things, and or, I guess, deliberate uh, craziness going on. It's a lot of shenaniganry, if that's a word. But I did want to follow up on the impeachment results he was impeached by the House. We're talking about the 45th president of the United States. Uh, but as was very much so anticipated, he was acquitted by the Senate. Now, he is the third president to have been impeached in U.S. history. Um, they did vote to acquit him as the same thing happened with the previous two. Um, I believe it was Andrew Jackson or Johnson. It was somebody back in the day. Probably should have fact checked that one um and then nixon almost got impeached but he dipped out cuz he saw what time it was and then of course president bill clinton in the 90s was impeached but not uh, removed because he was acquitted and the same thing happened with uh the current president uh donald trump um but he's still being himself and there's still a lot of things happening and going on the lies continue um and that's just not me being a partisan person jumping on the mic you know it's literally these things are being fact checked and there's you know this the thing that has been consistent with this individual, regardless of whatever political or corporate position he holds, is that there are videos and tapes that can just be played that directly conflict or um, oppose the things that he might say at a different point in time so I mean that's just that's just an objective thing um nevertheless. There is uh, the election season being going in full swing, for the most part, (laughs) and I'll get to that in a second. Um, The Democrats have basically distilled their candidates down to two at this point, so there was a field of many, now it has dropped down to two, and it is Joe Biden, former Vice President, Senator, all those titles, and longtime Senator Bernie Sanders. They remain in, and there is, of course, lots of drama. Um, Joe Biden seems to be the establishment uh, moderate candidate who is uh, vouching for a return to normalcy so that things are basically the way they were and essentially staying the same. And, of course, Bernie Sanders and his um, democratic socialist revolutionary ideas are being put forward as kind of the... uh, I guess somewhat of the more liberal or more socialist side of the Democratic Party. Nevertheless, the primaries were in full swing. And we will see what comes of all that. Presently, I believe Joe Biden has the lead for delegates. Today is actually the day that we were supposed to vote here in Ohio. It is March the 17th, 2020. And we were supposed to do our primaries here in the state of Ohio. But Governor DeWine canceled them, essentially now he doesn't necessarily have the power himself to do that and in fact they tried to do this as some sort of petition to send to the courts to have them suggest that because of the spread of the pandemic yes it is now a pandemic of covid-19 uh it is putting people in jeopardy because you know oftentimes you have the largest voting block consistent voting block is uh the elderly population they are often the ones who are manning the polls um on election days, and um, this thing is serious, and so it is a public health concern. And so it got rejected late last night by the uh, uh, appellate judge, I believe that's who it was, and um, got sent back. But then they kind of overrode the judge because the director of health for the state of Ohio said, look, this is a public health concern. We don't want folks out if they don't have to be and so therefore we will reschedule the primary I believe it's supposed to be june 2nd 2020 now and that will give adequate time for folks to get their absentee ballots in and vote that way uh which is what they were defending all day today this afternoon so um and i believe it's like constitutionality that is in question state constitutions and such or uh legislative ideas laws and things that are in place as to why the governor can't just say hey we're not going to have elections um which is a good thing we need these systems and checks and balances in place these procedures these courts all these things that some politicians would like to just generally work around uh we need them in place because we need to maintain structure stability in government while at the same time having flexibility and understanding of the current times and situations And have them work in our best interests as well. So, although we absolutely need to be participating in primaries and voting, we also absolutely need to be doing all that we can in order to um, keep COVID 19 at bay, which is actually the next thing on my docket for our notes. So, um, yes, the current pandemic, COVID 19. So, the World Health Organization, or WHO, has declared COVID-19, or the coronavirus disease, 2019, uh, a pandemic. Okay, and so the coronavirus is a, uh, it's like a family of viruses. And the coronavirus disease, 2019, um, is, and this is according to the CDC here, a respiratory illness that can spread from person to person, The virus that causes COVID 19 is a novel coronavirus. So, remember, I said that was a family of viruses that was first identified during an investigation into an outbreak in Wuhan, China. Okay. So, they believe that it jumped similar to other viruses that exist, that it jumped from animal species to human populations, um, likely originating in Wuhan, China. Um, So, Lots of things going on there. They are putting people in lockdown, spraying and the de- um, what do you call it, uh, disinfecting uh city streets like with trucks spraying everything, keeping people in their house or taking them out of the house, quarantines, all kinds of crazy things are going on over there. Um, and the things that the um to try to contain this because the mortality rate is um in the what is it three percent or something like that. And the issue that, you know, people keep trying to compare this to the seasonal flu, and it's like, okay, but we know what the flu is. So what the epidemiologists and people who study diseases and microbiology and, and and things of this nature are telling us, we don't know what is going on with this disease, so we need to take extreme measures. So Italy basically closed their entire border, um, and countries across the globe are starting to see Cities and things where the people are just getting locked down and told to stay home. Um, lots of disruptions and things happening here in the United States presently as well. So, uh, according to the World Health Organization, a pandemic is declared when a new disease for which people do not have immunity spreads around the world beyond expectations. Okay, so this, um, we also, it was originally an epidemic, um, and that usually refers to. When the when there is a spread over several countries or continents, usually affecting a large number of people, um, this is the, the pandemic stage is a bit different now, um, because there's a sudden increase in the number of cases of the disease seen above what is normally expected, um, and this again differs from outbreaks, because those seem to be more limited geographically. And endemic, you can kind of expect it to be in a certain geographic location. So pandemic means, you know, this is we don't have immunity for this and it is spreading around the world beyond our expectations and the rapid rate uh, of uh, expansion. So some basic things that you can know or need to know about COVID-19, you can actually find this interesting and helpful PDF. PDF. At www.cdc.gov/covid19, that is COVID nineteen, um, and there they lay it out. They explain what the disease is. I told you what that is. Um, it is possible for people to get this. Now it seems that it is uh, negatively affecting older populations. You know, to the extent of death at higher rates than any other population, but we can still be carriers for this, which is why they're telling people to start practicing social distancing. So that's, you know, um, yeah. I'll get a little more into that a little bit later. Um, but um, it spreads uh, when people are in close contact with one another uh, within six feet through respiratory droplets produced when someone coughs or sneezes. It may also be possible that you can get it from touching a surface and then touching your own nose, mouth, or eyes, okay? But this is the way that other viruses spread, and so this is why they are suggesting that we should refrain from touching our face and other kinds of things because when you have especially warm, wet, mucousy areas like the eyes, the nose, the mouth, okay, and so you touch a surface where the virus might be living, and then you scratch your eye or put your hands in your nose or whatever, whatever is happening in order for you to transfer this thing to yourself, um, being a carrier, you know, how long does the thing live? I don't know, but I mean, it could be anywhere from hours to a week or so. I've heard uh, people saying, um, like I said, we're still learning a lot about this. Um, and so when you touch these areas, this is how it can start to get into your, uh, your body. And so as you know, what viruses do, they get into your body. They, they, if they can successfully lock onto your cells and uh, kind of infiltrate the cellular membrane, they can then inject their own DNA, the viral DNA or RNA, DNA or RNA, and then use that to start rewriting the cell. And then the cell will essentially start producing more viruses. Like it will start, it will stop its original DNA or RNA production or whatever was containing and it will just, the cell now belongs to the virus and the virus now starts to produce these cells. And then you start to succumb to other kinds of things. So some of the symptoms that people are starting to uh, have uh, patients with co with COVID-19 have had mild to severe respiratory illness with symptoms of fever, cough, shortness of breath. Okay. Other things that you might consider to be happening during flu season. Um, but some complications that can occur is that some folks have developed pneumonia in both lungs, multi multi, multi organ failure. And in some cases, death. Um, so again, avoid close contact with people who are just generally sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth. Um, washing your hands is one of the ways in which people are really emphasizing how to kind of stop the spread because our hands, of course, are how we manipulate objects and, and interact with our world for the majority of um, our existence, our day-to-day existence. And so using alcohol-based hand sanitizer with 60% alcohol um, is great, but the preferred method is using soap and water, washing your hands for at least 20 seconds. Uh, If you're sick um, to keep spreading respiratory illness from others, stay yourself at home. Okay, cover your mouth or sneeze with a tissue, then throw the tissue in the trash. Okay, no tissue is available. As you're preparing to sneeze and you're rearing up, put your arm up and bury your face into that crevice of your arm, okay? Sneeze there so that uh, you are not spreading it with that cloud of mist that will shoot out about approximately six feet and possibly infect someone else. Uh, Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects and surfaces. So we are always touching... Uh, the, our phones and everything um, so they are recommending that we keep our phones clean some of these companies are interestingly actually there's a lot of interesting changes that companies are doing now like people all of a sudden have these unlimited data things you know they're not slowing people's phones and stuff down and so because they're trying to be all you know pro citizenry all of a sudden and now it's like oh can we have done this before and can we have done that before and this and that But the reason I bring that up is because now apparently you can use certain kinds of cleaning products on your phone that was previously uh, not recommended. Uh, But now they're saying, you know, don't go too crazy, but you can certainly wipe it off with some kind of uh, softer disinfectant, nothing like chlorine or or bleach on your phone. But an alcohol wipe is not going to scrub off the, you know... What is it? Oleophasic or whatever, whatever your screen is that makes it so nice and pretty. You probably won't ruin it if you wipe it down every now and then, but your hands. So once you wipe your phone down, that's great. But continue to wash your hands because that's important. Uh, Is there a vaccine? There's no vaccine currently to prevent this. They're probably going to have it in like what a year, 18 months, something like that. So that's why practicing social distancing and all this is so important. Washing your hands is so important. The treatment now is basically palliative care, so which means if you start to get sick, then they just go ahead and try to treat the symptoms. Or if you develop something like pneumonia, then maybe they can try to treat that. But there's nothing, no specific antiviral treatment for COVID-19 right now. So this is why it's such a big deal. And unfortunately, um, you know, while we are trying to contain this thing, we are encouraging people to practice social distancing or other control measures because we want to flatten the epidemic curve, the uh, epidemic curve. So the number of cases in uncontrolled transmission might spike. So you might have this really tall curve in the number of cases. But if we put control measures in place, we can kind of keep that number below the healthcare system's capacity, meaning the intensive care units, the ER visits, et cetera. So these control measures can help slow the spread of disease and reduce the burden on hospitals. What are are these uh, control measures? Some of them may include things like hand-washing, teleworking, limited large gatherings, minimizing travel, etc. Okay, so just basically being smart, right? So, you know, if you don't have to go anywhere, don't. We have plenty of things at our disposal. Most Americans, at least, do. Uh, As as far as entertainment is concerned, I mean, I'm sure folks are learning that they don't really know how to cook and that their seasonings are probably out of date. But I think overall, this might be a good thing for our culture, our society, for us to kind of slow down, realize what is actually important in our day to day thing. We stack our calendars and everything with all these things we consider to be important or things that we have to do. But now, when they're recommending that you don't gather in groups larger than 10 people, you can't do some of these social activities or some of these other things that you plan to do. Or maybe you don't really need to go shopping or hanging out in this location or doing that thing. So I think it's, um, although this is a very, um, I'm not particularly, pers- personally, I'm not particularly afraid. I think it's a sobering kind of time, and I think it's a very serious Kind of time, and when I was out today, I did have to do a couple of things, so I tried to wait until I needed to make a run and then I went and did them, came back, I used hand sanitizer, washed my hands um before and after um, but you know, I did see people practicing social distancing, people were keeping their spacing was really talking about it, but people did seem to, for the most part, try to kind of keep their space, keep their distance. Uh, the restaurant that I went to for dinner, since uh, my wife is doing so much cleaning and everything, we just figured we'd just eat out. Uh, some some places or some um, applications are using uh, like free delivery and such, uh, or dollar delivery, that kind of a thing, so take advantage of that. So what people are afraid of is that, you know, well, one, the government is coming and they're gonna tell us not to do this, and you know all this other kind of stuff, but you know it's sometimes you just have to think about other folks if you're in the age range where you're not necessarily gonna and I can make fun of sidebar I can make fun of country folk because I'm country, so let you know everybody relax, everybody relax um but or that stereotype um but in all seriousness, like it might not be younger folks or you know middle aged folks who are or even kids who are the highest concern for contracting this, but you can definitely spread it to someone else who might have some type of uh, immunodeficiency, uh, some sort of uh, previous or preexisting condition, uh, elderly folks who might have compromised immune system or just weaker immune systems because they're older folks. And it could be uh, seriously impacting the rest of their life uh, or shortening their life because of exposure to this. So that's one of the reasons why I'm encouraging all these people packing nightclubs, still, and all these people going to the beach because flights are cheap or whatever their reasoning is. Stop it. Stay at home. Now, um, some of the immediate effects on me and my family, uh, my wife's a teacher, I am a teacher as well at the college level, I'm also a researcher. Um, And our kids go to school. So schools are now closing, extending their spring breaks, moving from traditional to online uh, teaching and all that um, distance learning formats. And it is an interesting thing. So a lot of folks, uh, some teachers and and, and folks might be on spring break, but when they come back, the extended spring break, you know, now they're going to be trying to work and figure out what to do. My wife has taught online classes before, so that part for her is probably not a big deal. Uh, But for other folks, it might be. Um, And in her current position, you know, she's a special education um, uh, intervention specialist. And so I'm not sure how that will affect her or her students. Um, But that is a major concern for us educators is, well, what about our students who don't necessarily have access? Because with the metro libraries closing and, you know, um, limited access that folks might have, if they don't have computers, if they just have mobile phones or whatever, how convenient or easy is it for them to access it? And, you know, will they be able to call in or listen and not worry about their minutes or their data and getting charged out the wazoo? And so we have, uh, congressional uh, members of Congress right now trying to put through bills and things to try to get people, you know, some, a little bit of stimulus, a little bit, a little bit of change in their pockets. Uh, we'll see where that goes, but, um, it's, it's different. Um, uh, my wife and I have worked from home consistently before. And I mean, I'm in the middle of writing my dissertation right now. So I really don't have an excuse at all. Now it's really like, I mean, I was already a homebody and I already lived in this basement. or well, uh, excuse me, my studio. Um, and I'm always in here at the computer. So, you know, this is, and I'm a homebody. So this, this is just, I'm, I'm cool with all this. Uh, staying at home part. Um, but it does It is going to shift how I have to take uh, teach my college course now because now we have to move it. It was a it's a heavily presentation based class on developmental psychology, and so now we have to move to things like Zoom or Collaborate via Blackboard, and I have to get them to understand how to use it and operate it so that they can do class presentations and all of that, which instead of alternative assignments, which is what it was looking like before. So this week I've been going through trainings and seeing what types of technologies were available. Uh, I ordered a green screen that fits on the back of my chair and a little uh, LED ring light thing that I can put over the camera I already have and the microphone that I'm presently using. It's actually a pretty good microphone. Um, And so my computer is set to go there. I also bought a uh, stylus pen so I can have more fine input opportunities, a USB a little stylus, you know, the little drawing, digital drawing thing. So that if I needed to highlight or annotate my lectures, I could do that. Um but I'm pretty much ready to rock in that regard. As soon as the pen gets here, I'll be I'll be and the pad gets here, I'll be I'll be ready to rock and roll. Um but I understand that's not everyone's situation. And my students will have to figure out if they don't have internet at home or is slow or whatever, they'll have to figure out what might be best. So it's going to be kind of a blend of synchronous uh communication and, and uh, instruction like you know we're in some kind of like Skype or faceTime like chat thing um sharing a video and all that uh, feed or asynchronous right we record little bits of lecture post it, so I might have to do lectures, um, multiple times. So two times or something like that, um, and record little bits, but then also hold in-class lectures. So I don't know, it's an interesting time. Um, it's kind of exciting just because, you know, you're not sure what's happening, what's going on. You get to learn new skills, but at the same time it's, it's kind of sobering because it's like, this is a legit thing that's happening. Um, so I had other, another topic that I wanted to talk. well, I'll just share these, these, br- these brief thoughts and then we'll roll into what's really good and wrap up. Um the other brief thought which was the original topic other than the um presidential update situ- uh, situation there. Um I wanted to talk briefly about shame. Um I fr- it was a couple of weeks ago and a lot of things have happened at this from from this time and we were talking I think my wife and I were talking about shame and how some folks should probably experience that and it might be a good thing. And then I hit the the and it was, the conversation was kind of brought about because of something that happened to us or somebody we were talking to or, or heard about. And then it also came up when I was giving a lecture um and it was in the chapter on uh infancy and toddlerhood and like early early childhood development stage. So this we're talking like kids who are two to six years old, roughly. And in the book, the quote is feeling shameful and doubtful is also vital to shedding babyhood and entering the human world. And that kind of struck me, um, when I was teaching this, because whereas it is inappropriate to bully and shame people, to the degree that we are negatively affecting their emotional state and their uh, physical state because they feel the effects of the shaming and the bullying but there is a societal and a human benefit to feeling this and this is what the research is showing us this is where developmental science is and what we see in it and i think that the um the breadth of sharing of information on the internet and the current cultural hyper-awareness of uh, mental health and everything is uh, to such a great degree that people are kind of, I guess, attacking people who are shaming other folks. But shame is a human emotion, and it's considered a self-conscious emotion in developmental psychology. So, like, pride, shame, guilt, these are things that people, like... um, are studying in developmental science and have studied and built theories on as to, you know, this is how we can show that we have the capacity to reflect on the self. Right? We have the capacity to show that we are, you know, we are cognizant human beings and that we are developing autonomy. And... This directly contributes to our socialization, and that means how we behave in socially appropriate ways. And so, you know, depending on the context, and you know, just this is just some thoughts that I was having. We were having my wife and I was specifically were having a conversation about how we should be embracing some shame in our culture, and my wife, in her genius way, was making sure to, to emphasize the point that we follow it up with restorative conversations, right? Because she has to deal with folks who might have some sort of developmental disability or learning disorder or any of those kinds of things that might have them um, a bit delayed in their maturation. And when you're dealing with toddlers and and children leaving that stage of life and moving on to middle childhood, which is like, what, seven to 12 or something like that. Um, you know, by that time, they would have needed to go through early childhood and develop some self-awareness and demonstrated their ability to reflect on themselves by experiencing pride, shame, and guilt, trying to figure out what is it that they have the capacity to do. Like, Erickson uh, has some theories about this, but, like, there's a, a a situation where you know we essentially have to come out with a specific virtue of like this is what what can i do can i do good and by reflecting on oneself and understanding that this is how i behave in certain situations i think that is one of you know that is a a very key and important part in someone's development such that they can build upon that when they move to early to middle childhood move into adolescence teenager age emerging uh adulthood young adulthood on it and on and on and on right and if we as a culture begin to kind of embrace a bit of shame instead of just saying you know everything is all right or feeling like we can't uh find some sort of way like a person environment fit or uh figure out some sort of um appropriate way because you know children are different and everybody's parenting techniques don't necessarily fit the child's personality and the child's needs. And so that's where it's a bit of a dance, a bit of a giving take there, because as a parent, you have to figure out what works for your child. And you also, because your child is a child, you also have to figure out what is going to work for your child, from the what works for you as a parent, of course, but also what works for the child. And you have to develop that fit so that there's healthy development, healthy relationships that are being formed, healthy attachments that are being formed. Uh, And so by, you know, having these people, these, these, these young humans, these these children experience shame, but then also building them back up with restorative conversations. And continuing that, you know, as they continue to grow and develop and mature and learn things and talk and have conversations, having people present in their lives is going to be essential to that. And we won't be, we won't get that unless we have these people in our lives who we allow to access us who we are. Right. I'm seeing, you know, some celebrity Vanessa Hudgens or somebody, I don't know. That's probably a celebrity. I don't know who she is or what she does, but in scrolling social media, I saw her making comments about how, you know, is it really this big of a deal or, you know, if people get it and they die, I mean, isn't that inevitable? So she was, you know, philosophizing and saying all these things on social media, but I mean, is that something that you can say maybe in a group chat? A lot of the internet was saying yes. Is that something that you might be able to run by some mentor or some family member or somebody else who you might have private conversations with? Probably so, right? So social media is a great way to kind of use as a mirror to kind of reflect like what who we are as a people and as a culture and as individuals, right? And so <laughs> if you're saying those kinds of things, perhaps it is in the height heightened awareness and the you know dampening of panic because of the pandemic um maybe it's not the best time for you to say you know well death is inevitable so if you get it you get it like yeah maybe not right so perhaps there is an opportunity for feeling some shame instead of coming back on and being like oh you guys are twisting my words i didn't really say that but you know stay safe bye you know eh, that's not the best response right so experiencing some shame maybe having some friends or somebody um mentors, elders, right? Respecting our elders, gravitating towards them, looking to them, you know, for wisdom um, or looking for wise elders, right? Because, you know, not everyone's going to be wise. But finding someone who can kind of speak into you that can be kind of hold you accountable so that you are, and someone that you can um, relate to and connect with so that you can just continue to grow, develop and grow as a person. Because experience is one of those things that you just You're very blessed if you come across that from other people. So we are running long on the time here. So I will briefly talk about what's really good right now. So what's really good? Um, It was recently birthday season for my immediate family. My wife's birthday is in December and it kind of kicks it off. So we have December and then we have Christmas and New Year's and uh, my sister's birthday is in January. And then February is my birthday. My son's birthday is in February. My other son's birthday is like a little over a week later in the first week of March. So for our immediate family, and then my, I have another sister who has a, well, my, okay. From November to, like, April is, like, birthday season hype because, like, everybody, like, each month is somebody's birthday without any skips. But for our immediate family, my wife's birthday is in December, two of us in February, one of us in March. So I turned 33, um, which meant lots of reflection and some stirring of motivation looking back over what's been going on for the past 33 years uh thought bubble kind of bloop 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 over my head right now and you know just wow which can kind of be motivating fuel for what i expect to happen in the next 33 years lord willing and the creek don't rise um so yeah lots of (laughs) lots of self-reflection there speaking of things like you know you know reflecting on the self and who i am um kind of emotional to some degree because you know it's i don't know for whatever year for whatever reason 33 seems like it's a uh a, 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 a noteworthy mark um nevertheless my sons turned five and six which is also like weird it's just weird they're starting to you know in their um what is it proximal distal and cephalocaudal development as children basically they're losing their baby cheeks and they're getting longer and skinnier and it's just weird because they're not babies Um, but it was cool. It was good to celebrate. Uh, Mine was pretty low-key. We went to a restaurant. Um, My uh, second-born son has the birthday first. He got to go drive go-karts, and they got to play in a playpen and and mini-golf. He was super stoked about the go-karts because he loves anything with wheels, and that is a vehicle. He's all about it. My oldest son, um, I I ended up taking him to the movies And, uh, it was just, he, uh, it was just the two of us because, um, my second born was sick and, um, the bowling alley was full and they kind of low-key were like, oh, we don't have space for you, even though they did. So, uh, something was weird about that, but nevertheless, um, he wanted to go bowling. That didn't happen, but he was glad to do the, um, the movie. And then after that, you know, the pandemic was like, hello. And uh, we haven't been able to go bowling yet since. So, uh, But it was a good time. Um, something else is really good. Uh, for my birthday, I did get the opportunity to get the other two forbidden, quote-unquote, uh, adventure games. So there's this um, series of games developed by GameRight, And it's like Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert. And then Forbidden Sky, I believe it is. So Forbidden Island is you're trapped on an island. You have to get the treasures, all the treasures, and evacuate the island before the island sinks. Forbidden Desert, you have to find all of the treasures or the the items of interest before the desert uh, blows over the site. And you have to evacuate. And then Forbidden Sky, we have not yet had a chance to play. But that is, like, the third in the trilogy, because basically when you escape from the island, your helicopter crashes in a desert. You leave on a helicopter. And then in the next game, oh, you're in a helicopter, and it crashes. And then for Forbidden Sky uh, Desert, you, I guess, leave in another helicopter? <laughs> and I think that crashes or something. You caught in a windstorm, and then you're in Forbidden Sky, and then you have to build a rocket, and it's, like, a legit, like, um, circuit with metal and batteries and... Yeah, it lights up if you do it the right way kind of a deal. So we haven't played that last one yet, but it's pretty cool because you use the island changes every time you play. And it, you know, you have a uh, a pressure kind of a indicator uh, that you experience. So you put out the tiles and that is the layout of the island. And then there's this uh, thing that you start out with, depending on how many people are playing. And it says, you know, these are the number of cards that you have to draw from the I'll just call it a danger pile. Um, and if you pick from that pile, it'll say something like, you know, this is the tile you have to flip over because it's starting to get flooded. And so if you pick up the really bad card, then you move that tick mark up and now you have to draw like three cards. And so the pressure increases, not from a timer perspective, but more from like if I draw another really bad card, now we have to flip over more tiles and the island starts to sink faster and faster. So we have to figure out a strategy. Uh, because you as a player have a specific card that gives you a trait, like you're a diver, or you're a navigator, or you are a pilot. And so you can hop more tiles on your turn or something like that. So it's really cool. It's a collect- Instead of it being a competitive thing, like you versus me, and I get the most trophies, and I skip the island and win, and everybody else dies and drowns. It's more like you have to get everybody to the evacuation tile. You have to get all of the items, and then everybody has to leave together at the same time in order for the game to uh, the for us to win so it's a cool little twist and I'm a fan of board games and so that was a cool thing that we were able to my wife and I were able to play and I look forward to the day that my youngins are old enough to play these kind of sophisticated games as well so this has been episode 5 of the 3rd Variable Podcast you can email the show at 3rd variable podcast at gmail.com you can catch the show on soundcloud.com slash 3rdvariable you can reach the show via twitter and instagram via at 3 variable. and my personal handle on twitter if you want to see random shenanigans and random thoughts is at that site guy d-a-t-p-s-y c-h-g-u-y when you tweet about the show or visit us on instagram be sure to use the hashtag 3VP and we out